So tell me, are you living your best life? I think I am. I'm doing pretty good right now. I got four grandkids and uh, I got a nice wife and both my kids are in the business with me. So it's a pretty good gig going on right now. Got a brand new building and I'm 62 years old and feeling pretty good from a health standpoint. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. That, that does actually sound like the American dream. I, I do love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chris Johnson, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show. If you're uh, listening and you want to put a face to the name, be sure to check out ontargetliving.com and check out the app as well, On Target Living Experience app. And we're going to dive more into uh, your books and other content that you have as we uh, go through the episode. But yeah, uh, definitely a pleasure to have you on today. Um, tell me, why health? And you're, you're such a big, uh, you know, active a, a, um, proponent. And why health? Why is that the industry you chose and stuck with for such a long time? Well, I think kind of very similar to your background. I um, was a business economics major in college and got out of school. And I'm thinking, is this really what I wanted to do? And I was in the uh, car industry in the summertime working on the assembly line. And then all of my, uh, my brother and people around us got in the car industry. And I thought, you know what, this is not what I want to do. And so I went and mm-hmm. decided to do something else. And I I drove a bread truck for a couple of years and then I drove a Frito-Lay truck. And then after about a year into Frito-Lay and not wanting to go into management, I thought, what am I doing? So I went back to grad school at Michigan State and I was always interested in fitness and exercise and growing up, playing sports. And I met an amazing professor at Michigan State and he says, you're a prevention guy and I think this is the direction you need to go into. Because I was thinking about sports medicine and physical therapy and Mm -hmm. So I became an exercise physiologist and that was way back in the early eighties. So that was kind of the beginning of my journey. And with naturally, cause since you were in Michigan growing up, is that why you were pushed towards the car industry? Well, it was just, it was in my town where I live in Lansing, Michigan, that was mm-hmm. the big, uh, you know, it was either the state of Michigan or general motors. So that was the two big industries. And then I realized over time, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something else. Was it hard snapping away, though, since that's kind of what I'm sure maybe your parents were pushing well, you into it, too, or no? I mean, people were asking me, you're going to grad school. And then my wife found out she was pregnant with twins. And people asked me, what are you going to do with this degree? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know. But my dad always really pushed me that you want to do something in your life that you love. And I kept thinking, you know what, I don't really, I understand, yeah, is it hard because I'm turning away a company car and 50 grand a year back in the early 80s? Yeah, it was hard, but in reality, is it was probably the best thing I ever did. So, um, but I think that was the thing I always kept thinking about. I want to do something I like to do. And I remember I had a, I had a guy down in Detroit, Barry Franklin, he said, if you get good at what you do, you probably can make a decent living at it. And I kind of <laughs> always remembered that. So. Anyway, that's kind of the journey began. Yeah, because, I mean, turning down that much money in the 80s, you know, that's, that, that's quite, a, quite a haul. Like, how long did it take you to finally get back up there? Were there moments when, like, you questioned your decision? <laughs> uh, a sure. couple? I remember, uh, yeah, I remember when I was doing an internship in Grand Rapids, I was commuting every day and making no money. And I did that for um, 16 weeks. And... I got little kids at home and no money coming in. And I'm thinking, you know, and my, my wife, was what did I do with my life? <laughs> what am I doing? You know? And I kept thinking, and then I was hired and I made 12 bucks an hour at this uh, wellness center. And then um, it just slowly. And then I worked at this large health club that I was hired in at $22,000 a year with a master's degree. And I'm thinking, okay, this is crazy. But then as time went on, we had a large personal training program and, as I developed the training program, we were one of the first million dollar training programs. I started making more and more money mm. and that's kind of how it kind of took off, but really was not chasing the money. It was chasing my passion. And I think that's the thing I really recommend when I'm mentoring, you know, people is chase your passion, chase your dream, because you're going to, you're going to wake up and you're 50 or 60 and you're going to say to yourself, okay, is this really all there is? And so I, that's, you know, people ask me all the time, did you know this was going to turn out into a, yeah. in this business? I go, no, and I had no clue. <laughs> when but, did you know? Was there like a moment? 
Um, I realized that people are really struggling with their health and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I had um, what I think what separates me a little bit is I had so many years of being in the trenches, 20,000 hours of training, one of the largest health clubs in the world, 10,000 members. Which health club? It was called the Michigan Athletic Club. So it was one of the largest health clubs in the world, and it still is today. It's 270,000 square feet. But, you know, I was the fitness director there and director of personal training, and that was really my – I was in the front lines for a long, long time. So I started seeing people that had cholesterol problems, that couldn't sleep, um, ED, testosterone, uh, blood pressure, and that was kind of my training, and that kind of separated, you know, my – and then I wanted to take this message on the road, and mm-hmm. kind of that's how I slowly evolved into what we're doing today. So – but yeah, at the beginning, I didn't know what I, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew there there was a huge need, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of problems. And prevention is really not we're not spending a lot of time and energy on prevention. And yeah. now people are really becoming like, okay, I don't really why do I want to wait till I get this problem to do something about it? Yeah, and how long did it take for you to see that like click? Because now nowadays, I guess the millennial age, right? Everybody's all about you know do this, do this, do that, consume that, consume that to prevent it. But it wasn't like that for, for a long time. I think, you know, I'm a boomer and I was in the bodybuilding. I got into bodybuilding in 1985 and it was my first mm-hmm. contest. And I, you know, people were trying to get leaner and ripped up on stage. And then I realized after about my second bodybuilding contest, it's not very healthy. Mm-hmm. So can you develop a plan that you can be, get leaner and healthy at the same time? And that was kind of my genesis into my food target. And that's, people are asking me, how do you get ready for a contest? I'm saying, it's simple. I just eat in the center of this food target for about three months. And I don't take a lot of liberties, but I'm eating quality carbs. I'm eating quality fats, quality proteins and balance. Mm-hmm. And, and then that kind of led me to, you know, I understand about ketosis and I understand about carb depletion. And I understand all that stuff because I've done it. And really over time, what people don't understand, it doesn't work long term. And so that's kind of the beginning of Ontario living. We want to develop a lifestyle that people could, you know, sustain forever. And it's something they like doing, not because they have to do it. So that's kind of how it slowly evolved. I would see from the physical standpoint with training and injuries and, and fitness. And I learned about nutrition and all that stuff from my, not only my schooling, but also being in the trenches and bodybuilding. And then here comes the rest and the stress and the sleep and, and you start putting them all together. And that was kind of what I thought was missing out there is like, it's not a diet. It's not a, you know, crazy exercise program, or it's not focuses on meditation. It's kind of bringing all those pillars together. And that's why we call the company on target living. Cause it's a, it's a lifestyle, not a, not a specific, you know, way to exercise or a way to eat or whatever. It's kind of all encompassing. And that's what I saw the need. I saw the need that, mm-hmm. you know, people were eating great, but they weren't getting any sleep. And then people were, you know, uh, crushing themselves in the gym, but they had no rejuvenation strategies from a fitness standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as I got older, I'm like, this is what people are struggling with. So then we got into corporate America, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world. And then I got up on stage and they're like, oh, we don't want to talk about wellness. Well, then they realize I'm talking about performance and feeling good. And now they're, and then speaking took off. So was that? Was that a struggle? Because they did they almost want to, did they always almost want to censor you about what you can say? Not so much censor, but why would you want to put a guy on a big stage and and tell people what to eat or not to eat? And that was always like, we don't want a wellness speaker. Well, I'm not a wellness speaker. I'm a performance speaker. So when people, the hardest thing we still have today is people don't hire us because they don't really know they don't really know what we're going to talk about. And that's why we, my son and I wrote Capacity because every organization is Your struggling. latest book, right? Yeah, it's our Capacity. latest book because people are struggling with their, their people. You know, their people, the greatest assets, their people, but mm-hmm. the greatest asset of the people is their health. But we don't look at it foundationally. We just like, oh, let's get to it when we want to. In reality, it should be foundational. So that's why we still struggle from a marketing standpoint is because all of our business comes when they see it. Like, man, I want that. I want that guy's, that guy's old and he has lots of energy and you know, yeah. we have, we have a, a, a very, I feel wealth of knowledge we want to share that makes people's lives better. So that's, that's kind of how the speaking kind of slowly took off. But I started speaking at the health club 
And that's kind of, as it started, I had more and more people show up. I'm like, wow, this is something to this. Was that something, an initiative that you took or did they want you to do it? No, I, I took the initiative because I kept thinking, you know, I would talk to my clients and they'd ask me, how do you do this? And I would help the trainers. And then I thought, you know, this is crazy. We have so many people interested in this. Why not we do? And I called it meal patterning. And I looked at how the sumo wrestlers were the biggest people on the planet and how they gained weight. And I took the opposite approach of, okay, this is how they gain weight. <laughs> Let's show people how to actually they can sustain weight loss. And so that's kind of how it all began. Which and is, so which, I, which was your first book, right? That was my first book called Meal Patterning. <laughs> and then I went to a branding specialist in Colorado and he goes, you got to do something with your food target. So that became our business called On Target Living. That was in 2006. But yeah, initially I started speaking to this large health club and I remember the first seminar I had, I had 30 people and, you know, six months later I had 300. Wow. And it just kind of blew up. And then people would say, hey, you know, I see you doing this. Can you bring that to my corporation? Yeah, I can do that. How much do you charge? Charge? How much do I charge? I'm really charging anything. <laughs> What'd you do? Like, so your first time, because you didn't expect to get the, uh, that question. What'd you say? I did a, I did a, um, a dental and they said your um, honorarium is $225 for a two hour presentation. And then I realized everybody else's honorarium was $1,500. <laughs> and I asked him, I asked the woman, I said, would you pay me that? She said, yeah, you got the highest ratings of anybody. I would have paid you, but you just asked for $225. But at the time, you're like, man, I'm getting yeah, like 112 an hour. This is a great rate. <laughs> yeah, people ask me all the time, how do you speak? I go, you got to go speak for free for a while and to get, you know, to get relatively good at it. So for a long time. And then I remember I went to a executive, uh, it was uh, executive coaches. And they said, hey, get somebody in the audience you don't know. And just bring up a number that would be absolutely crazy in your business. And I remember $5,000. I could go do a presentation for $5,000. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've hit the lotto. And now that's, you know, we charge a lot more than that. Is it, would you say most of your uh, clients or I guess people that uh, companies that request you, is it all through referral? I would say 95%. So we work with a lot of big companies, AT&T, Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley. So they see us speak and that's kind of how it starts to begin. Was there like a, moments that one of them found you and it kind of took off yeah yeah you actually hit the right so I have a friend of mine that worked for Merrill Lynch and he lives in Grand Rapids which is about an hour away mm -hmm. and he saw me do this presentation at this health club and he was a financial advisor and he said could you bring that to my office and I said sure so I did this in 2000 still remember it was 2004 in Grand Rapids and then he was doing this large uh, uh, recognition trip in, I think it was in Hawaii, and he had my food target, and he showed it to this woman, and he calls me up and says, hey, there's a woman in New York that's in charge of uh, training and development. You mm -hmm. need to give her a call. So she, I call her up, and she's from New York. She wasn't very friendly. And she <laughs> said, favorite. come to New York. Let's put you here. And then um, one thing led to another. And she says, you know, I really like your message. We have a new training program we're doing for Merrill Lynch. Would you be willing to be on the faculty? And so I said, yeah. And so I was still working full time at this health club. And then um, I started doing a little bit of this. And they said, well, we want you to do more and more. And that's when I decided that, hey, it's time kind of to leave my traditional job and, and go out on my own. And then were they paying there, you? Oh, yeah, they were paying okay. me. But I was getting paid per gig. And then I thought, you know, myself, I still could do some training. I kind of slowly did training and then I did speaking. And then as speaking grew, I did less training. And so that's kind of training of just like personal training, personal training. So I was, uh, I was in management. I got out of management in 2007 mm -hmm. and I went full time with Ontario living, but it all began with this one event in, at Merrill Lynch. And then they put me on the big stage in 2008. And once I went on the big stage, um, then business took off. That's and so then I went full time speaking in 2008. And Did I you ever people. go ahead? No, I just hired a couple of people to help me with the business of booking me and taking care of travel and all that kind of stuff. Did you have stage fright at any point, or were you questioning your abilities? No, I, I really got some good mentors along the way. But I remember one guy saying to me um, at one of my presentations, he goes, "You got a lot of talent." 
but you really don't know what you're doing. And I thought to myself, what does that mean? <laughs> so I went to a speaker training in Chicago, and it was called Speak Like a Leader. And I really realized the science of speaking. And this is before I was a member of the National Speaking, uh, National Speakers Association, which is fantastic. But I went there and I learned a lot about dynamics of where to stand and how to do pausing and all the, the science of speaking. So when I watch speakers now, I kind of really notice, mm -hmm. you know, the techniques of what they're doing. And then if you're anchoring a point, you need to tell a story. And then I started realizing I took all my stuff and I started really paying attention to the science of speaking. And when I started doing that, then I really, it just takes practice and repetitions. But I think the thing I love about speaking, it's just, it's just, it's a performance. It's energy. It's, it's off the cuff. You have a plan that you're going to talk about, but it's just raw. And that's what makes it fun. Well, since you, since this is like, since this is how you make a living and this is what you do professionally, you know, others, others struggle with this. You know, it's, it's like, the, one of the hardest things that people sure. could possibly imagine doing. Did you ever have like a moment and did you overcome it where you kind of had that, like the white lights syndrome, you know, you get up there and you blank for a second. Well, I think, I think it's all progressions. I remember I took a speech class in college and I was just scared to death and I had a two minute, three minute and a five minute presentation. I couldn't sleep the night before. And now I can speak for a couple of days. So it's just, it just took repetitions. And then the other thing too, I think a lot of people, you want to speak about something you really know a lot about. I think a lot of people are speaking about, I'll speak about this or that, but they don't really have the depth of that. And so for me, this is, it's easy for me to talk about, you know, my space, but if I was speaking about something else, it'd be a lot more difficult. And that's the, you know, I'm looking for stories every day. So when I'm flying or in a car or in a hotel, I'm looking for these raw stories and then how do you make that come alive? And that's kind of the, mm. the art of it. But initially, yeah, it's, it's just repetition. I'm speaking at a rotary, I'm speaking at a library, I'm doing all this stuff for nothing. And that all adds up over time. But I think of people really chasing their passion, you're, you're excited about yeah. hearing that stuff. And so it wasn't really working. It was like, you know, like I just mentioned, like, you're actually gonna pay me to do this? And then slowly over time, you know, you're starting to make more and you're starting to learn about the business of speaking and there's a lot to it. So, um, but yeah, for anybody listening or watching on your, your podcast, it's, you, you want to start slowly, but really craft your message that, you know, what you're good at or what you, what's your expertise. Cause that's what I think people are struggling out there. More and more in speaking, people are looking for knowledge. They're looking for the education, not just motivation. And what do you think is the latest health craze? Because you mentioned that clearly there are fads out there and a lot of these things are fads, um, which, which kind of I always believe that that's what they are and I, I try not to do them. Uh, what do you think is the latest craze and, um, or the latest scare that we're experiencing? Well, I, I mean, every, you know, I wrote a blog about ketosis a while back and, mm -hmm. you know, ketosis has been around forever. My first bodybuilding contest back in the, early eighties was you wanted to get into ketosis. You'd cut your carbs out and I felt like crap. And so people have to understand we need healthy fats. We need healthy proteins. We need healthy carbohydrates in the eighties. The carbohydrates were the, you know, the, the leader in 2000 and today the carbs are the villains and we just keep, it just keeps making a circle. So what people have to understand is really what we teach is the source. You know, where's it come from? So when you think of nutrition, really need to in balance and need to pay attention to what where's it coming from. Yeah. And then we need to get quality movement. We just need to move. It's not, it's not rocket science. And then you need to have some kind of way to rejuvenate the body. Are you getting a good night's sleep? Are you paying attention to your breathing? There's lots of things like that. So I think we just got to keep coming back to, it's not like one extreme to the other. It's more towards the center. And I think that's really what we try to look at. Like, yeah, I understand ketosis. I understand high protein diet. I understand, you know, CrossFit. I understand all that. It's just basically somewhere in between and find stuff you like to do. So, yeah, because everybody right now is going keto, right? And yeah. can, you, can you break that down for us as to why you believe it's not a long-term fix? Well, the big thing of any time you manipulate a macronutrient, a carb, protein, or fat, you're going to have a problem. Because the human body needs those. So, example, in the 80s, we cut out the fat. Well, mm -hmm. that was hormonal nightmare. 
because fats help with hormones. Well, carbohydrates, you get asked the question, what do carbohydrates do in the body? They're energy. They help make your body more alkaline. They help calm the body. So when people cut these out, then they start having other issues. Their focus is amazing, but they can't relax. The neurotransmitters are out of whack. Digestive health has never been worse. I mean, so we need good carbs, we need good proteins, we need good fats. And so that's really where I wrote the article about ketosis. I went in the weeds and I talked about respiratory quotient. I'm an exercise physiologist. What does that mean? Well, it means if you don't have carbs, you don't have that extra fuel that you need when you need it. So the ketosis whole thing is I'm going to burn fat as fuel. Sounds great. But reality, long term, you're going to have issues with it. And we're seeing it now. We, we, we had issues with ketosis in the 50s. You know, they were using it for, um, you know, therapy for uh, seizures. Mm-hmm. But it was specific for seizures. It was specific not for the average person. Not for losing weight. Well, and, and again, keeping it off. lose weight because they're going to get more focused. Or you yeah. talk about uh, intermittent fasting. Sounds great. But if you get too much, then that's the sumo wrestler. Sumo wrestlers only eat one meal a day. So, you know, now they're, now you're messing with other things in the body. So we got to get out of the whole fad thing that mm-hmm. does it really make sense for you to eat, you know, go without eating for 18 hours? Probably not because you got to kind of know what you're doing in that six hour window. Do you, you ever do that? Gonna, what's that? Do you ever do it fasting? Oh, sure. But you got to know what you're doing. Cause okay. if you're not, if you're not, if you're fasting and you don't get the right nutrients, when we talk about nutrition, most of the time it's, it's what people are missing. And number two, what are they not absorbing? And so when I look at people's nutritional program, where's your B vitamins, where's your omega-3 fats? I mean, it just goes down the list. So if they don't really know what they're doing, they're just eating to get leaner. They're going to have other health issues down the road. And that's where I come in. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, the reason you're having problems with, uh, you know, anxiety is because you have no calming nutrients in the body. You know, magnesium's down, B vitamins are down, you know, and now they're like, I didn't know that. Well, you're not eating the right types of this. So that's really where all these diets come into. If you look at your numbers, homocysteine is, a, again, I don't want to get into two of the weeds here, but homocysteine is a, is a blood test that measures oxidation. So if a person's on a high, on the keto diet, generally their homocysteine levels will rise, which is a risk factor for heart disease. So people just don't know this stuff. Or testosterone, never seen a more of an epidemic of low testosterone in our country today. Why is that? We're not getting enough rest. We're not eating in the right that, food. That's the answer. So for all the men listening, get more rest. You need more rest. Right? If your cortisol levels are on, uh-huh. they eat your building or your sex hormones. And so when people say, oh, well, what does that mean? Well, if my stress levels are high, cortisol is up, adrenaline, epinephrine, all that stuff, mm-hmm. that will leach from your building or your sex hormones. Wow. So the first thing I talk about on stage when people are uh-huh. like, hey, how many of you are interested in having a better, you know, testosterone for both men and women? It's not just for men. They're like, so testosterone sure. level for your listeners, for men, it should be 500 plus. For women, it should be 25 or plus. So the next time you get a blood test, that's an easy thing to know how you're aging because testosterone is the number one predictor of how you're aging. Hmm. So I want to know how you're um, aging. So the first thing I look at when I get my blood test back is my testosterone. And if I'm not getting enough rest, I have too much stress, generally testosterone levels will will fall. And that's why we spend a lot of time in our, you know, in our capacity book, we spend a lot of time talking about rest. We tell stories about, you know, people have raised their testosterone levels, just getting more rest rejuvenation. Wow. Well, I wrote that one down. I'm definitely (laughs) going to look into that one when I go. Yeah, we've Next got, I've taken you down the, the rabbit hole here, but yeah. No, this is, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, we're talking about our life here, right? We're talking about um, heart disease, cancer, you know, all, opioids. I mean, all these epidemics that are going on and, you know. Well, one of the questions you asked earlier is like, so these fads, I always go back to the beginning. Why yeah. are you going to do X? So tell me why you're going to do the keto diet. Tell me what so is your goal to lose weight? Generally, yes. most people are doing that to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I could teach you how to lose weight, but you could have really good energy, could have a great night's sleep, you'd have great blood levels, you'd have good testosterone, have good gut health. Are you interested? I am. Okay, so let's get, let's get out of that. My, my daughter and I are going to compete in a bodybuilding figure show in March. I haven't competed about five years. Oh, so the awesome. 52-year-old is going to go up 
late March and compete. So people are, we're going to track this on our, on our, mm-hmm. on our website and we're going to show people how simple eating oatmeal, bananas, raisins, apples, you know, stuff that most bodybuilders don't eat. will be eating that because I want to show them that it can get, you can get leaner, but you also can get healthy at the same time. And that's really one of my drivers for this bodybuilding contest is I want to show people that you can do this. And then I'm going to pay attention to my sleeping and how I'm training and all that stuff that goes with it. So you're trying to change the way athletes prepare for bodybuilding or for, yeah, essentially for competitions, right? Or, or just general, I'm going to get a little leaner. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You don't have to get crazy and do stupid stuff. You just can do this slowly over time. You just pay attention. Most diets work because it's a focused attention. What is your typical, if you don't mind sharing, your typical day look like in terms of your, your diet? Get up in the morning, I always do the same thing, water. Sometimes I'll take lemon. Then I do five ice cubes of wheatgrass because it's high in minerals. Just ice cubes, I just do that. And then from there, I do my cod liver oil, which is an omega-3 fat. And then generally this morning, I had oatmeal with uh, apples and raisins, cacao powder, um, some walnuts, and uh, cashew milk. So that's my beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and- and, is, and do you do this? Uh, I, I take it oatmeal is just pure, hundred percent, like no sugar added, right? Back to the source. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everything that I put in my oatmeal is one ingredient. So and do you, do you does it need to be organic? I you know as I tell people wherever they go, again start with the source, get close to the source, but then as they do that more often, whatever they eat the most of, whatever you eat the most of, then you probably want to slowly take that up maybe to more of an organic version. So yeah, so we even sell uh, organic oatmeal on our website because we promote it so much. But as people get a habit or building blocks of their routine down, then over time they can slowly add a little more variety. So today I put apples and raisins in there and maybe tomorrow I might use uh, blueberries and a different type of nuts. So, Mm -hmm. but once you get the routine down, then you start experimenting and make it the way you like it. And I think that's the magic. What we, what we teach is it's not a diet. It's just uh, teaching people learning how to pivot. I mean, once you learn, like to learn how to make a, a, a plan and it's not hard, you just make it. And then you slowly have the education that you can mix and match as you need to. And that's, that's, and now their blood work gets better. They feel better. They sleep better. And they're like, my joints don't ache as much anymore. My inflammation's down. My blood pressure's lower. I'm excited about how I feel. Something's working, right? Something's working. Well, yeah. well, you know, for you, you're, you're 62. And when I'm your age, I would love to have the energy and the look still. So keep going. What else do you do the rest of the day? How many meals are you actually eating right now? So normally I would probably eat about four times a day. Mm-hmm. So I usually try to go 12 to 14 hours without eating. So if I've eaten at 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night, I'm not eating again until you know, 7.30 to 9 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes I'll go 14, 15, 16 hours without eating. Oh, so you, so you are fasting every day, essentially. I'm, I'm using, I always tell all my clients a 12-hour fast overnight. Okay. 12 hours is easy. And as they get more comfortable, maybe they do a couple of days a week of 14 hours. 16 hours is a little harder, but once in a while, that's fine. But 12 hours is easy for most people. Then after I've done that, I've done my morning ritual. But normally um, during the day, I'll eat some form of a big salad for lunch. I usually don't eat a lot of meat before dinner. So Mm -hmm. I do eat meat, but I don't really eat any animal protein before dinner. So lunch will be hemp seeds and nuts and, you know, vegetables or leftovers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm traveling, I just do the best I can. But normally I'm going to eat some big salad for lunch. And then I'm a big fan of apples, got digestive issues, acid reflux. Mm -hmm. Eat, You know, I'm a big apple guy every day or a banana. And then I like macadamia nuts and Brazil nuts. And so I'm kind of mixing in fruit and nuts and fats and all that stuff throughout the day. And then dinner is usually simple. It's either, you know, buffalo or flank steak or chicken or salmon and Big vegetables. I love potatoes. I eat a lot of potatoes. So that's a typical day for me. You, the like. potatoes, you probably like bake them, right? Bake them. We'll, uh, you know, we'll use a, a, a like, uh, we, last night we, she just baked them. We had a, like a bunch of vegetables with some uh, a buffalo. But normally what we'll do is we'll cut them up, peel them, and just put them on a cookie sheet with some olive oil. And mm. we'll kind of bake them. Yeah, so they're like fries type thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. without yeah. actually putting them into a deep fryer. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, just and, baking them. 
And would that usually cut cut you off? Like, say you have that what six seven p.m. and would that be it for the yeah, for the day? Like last night, yeah, and then like seven o'clock, and then is I'm getting I'm paying attention right now because I'm getting ready. But uh, like last night, I just had some ginger uh, tea at night. So it's just real simple stuff at night. Or sometimes I'll take a couple frozen ice cubes a week. That <laughs> sounds really yummy, right? <laughs> but we just came off the holidays, you know. It's a man. Yeah, that is time, true. Time to get busy. So. But yeah, that's generally a typical day it looks like. So you're not, no snacking really besides like the apples and the nuts throughout the day, right? That's it? Well, you know, my, I really like raisins. So sometimes I have to kind of stay away from, I can I, I eat too many of them. So I have too many raisins, but yeah, I'm always snacking something. I'm a big fan of dried mangoes or dried figs, mm-hmm. a couple of Brazil nuts. So that's my snack. I like that kind of stuff because it's sweet. And then I got the protein and the fat from the nuts. So it allows me to be satisfied by the same time. And then uh, I'll make a smoothie probably three or four times a week. That might be an afternoon snack or it might be even lunch. Depends on what, what, what I'm doing. So, exactly. but you want to make it simple for people. Yeah. And are you working out every day? Every day I'm moving my body. In terms of just moving because you're on the go or working out, like actually tuning uh, out? I usually do some form of stretching every day. Mm-hmm. So as I've gotten older, I spend a lot more time stretching. So we have a dynamic foundation routine on our website. You can watch the videos, but that's a five to eight minute routine. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of restorative movements, my ankles, my calves, my hips. So I spend a lot of time doing that. You know, I, last night we were watching um, uh, a, a documentary and I'm doing a bunch of stretches while I'm kind of in the living room. But I'm lifting weights. I do a three-day strength routine, chest and back, shoulders and arms and lower body mix that up and I play paddle ball and so I like to play activities but yeah I kind of use that up and so again for your listeners they can go to our website and they'll see tracking what we're going to be doing for the next three months getting ready for this contest where do we uh where do we find that exactly just on our website yep just on on turtleliving.com is it going to be on the main page I'll send it to you so you can share your your audience definitely and you mentioned you didn't really mention any cardio, so I'm I'm over here sitting freaking out because I'm told my whole life that I need to do cardio every day. Um, you can't out exercise a bad diet, so that's what I tell everybody. So cardio, I always want to. Cardio is a lot good things for a lot of things. It's good for your brain. It's good for your body. But about 15, 20 minutes is all you need. So I don't spend a lot of time doing cardio. Again, that's another myth. People think they're going to do more cardio. 15, 20 minutes every day or a couple times a week. Oh, you know, pretty much every day or every other day. Yeah. But How, I mix what do you it. do? Like run or? I'll run, uh, play. I play paddle ball a lot. So I kind of look at that as my cardio some days. I'll do uh, just some stuff in the gym where I'm getting my heart rate up. And then mm-hmm. I'll, sometimes I'll do uh, specific machines like an AMT or elliptical or something like that where I want to kind of just chill out and relax. So, but I'm trying to get, I always want to try to get a sweat. I always tell people try to get a sweat. Because your body eliminates toxins by sweating. So you need to sweat, you know, at least a handful of times a week. Do you think it's bad to do extended cardio? Like say you're training for half marathon or, you know, try Well, again, it's training specificity. So if I'm training for a marathon, I got to put those time in. But if you're looking for just overall general fitness and health, 15 to 20 minutes. Because what happens over time, people are going to beat up their body. I'm a big fan of the mini trampoline. So the mini trampoline is a nice thing that's very soft, good for your joints, works your lymphatic system, and I don't need to spend a lot of time doing it. So I have two mini trampolines here at my house. I have two at our um, headquarters, so it's a big thing we really promote. But anytime you can work the, move the body a little bit, that's a good thing. And again, getting your heart rate up is a good thing. But I don't, the, the 30, 40, 60 minutes of cardio, unless you're training for something specific like a marathon or triathlon, it's kind of you're diminishing your returns on your investment. Is it bad for like your heart or your joints if you do so much? And it could be a lot of things. What happens is you're going to get your posture is going to start to fall apart. Usually for most people, you're going to have the same muscles being used repetitively. So mm-hmm. over time, you're going to get, you know, tight hip flexors or your back's going to get tight or you're going to put a lot more stress on your, you know, your joints. And so that's what I see in my space now. A lot of these people have been doing these repetitive movements now are having issues. And the other thing too, everybody's busy. So I don't know about you. But We're all busy. I, too busy really for everything. I want to spend 45 minutes of cardio when I really need to spend more time working on my flexibility or my strength or it needs to be balanced. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think more and more people, when I go to the gym, I see them doing the cardio and I don't see them doing anything else. 
and then they, they their their capacity starts to shrink. You know, they can only do so many things over time. So as I age, I want to have that flexibility, that strength. I want to hold on to it as long as I can. And I think that's where more and more people back to the original question we talked about earlier is what's the goal? So if you sit down, most people, what is your goal for your mm -hmm. fitness? I would say, Hey, you know, we do movement screens. I'm a big fan of the movement screens. You know, can you do this? And you're like, no, I go, well, then let's spend a little more time doing this than doing that. They're like, Oh, okay. That's easy. That's not hard. But I think that's the issue. Most people do cardio because they want to control their weight. Yes. And it's a very and inefficient way to lose weight. And for all the listeners that want to find out, find all these videos and see exactly what you're talking about, the best place for them to go to would be your website, right? OnTargetLiving.com, as well as yeah. the YouTube page. Right? Yeah. And again, like you mentioned earlier, we have a new app. And so part of the app is we wanted to take our methodology and show people 21 steps of how to, you know, how to do this, how to get, and then you're going to see new stuff coming up each month helping that. But yeah, so that, that big part, and again, they can watch us kind of, we're going to show videos of our training as we're getting ready, but it's the same stuff we do all the time. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, we're getting ready for a contest, just sharpening the saw a little bit. And the app's available, right? I, uh, uh, Apple and Google, right? I'm assuming both. Yeah, they just come right to our website and they can find out more about that. And if they have any questions, I'll, I'll give you my content, uh, my contact information too. You can reach out to us directly. Definitely. And um, I guess kind of just going one step further with all this, because at the end of the day, we're trying to live our best life, right? We're trying to live longer. We're trying not to get our disease, such as say cancer and heart disease, right? The number one, number sure. two or yeah. the two and one killers uh, in the US, for example. Uh, do you think we're going down the right path as, as, a, as a country, for example, or could we no, be doing no. better? Oh, no, no. So I go back, sometimes I'll share some statistics right at the beginning, but I mean, look at type two diabetes. In 1970, we had 500,000 type two diabetics. Today, we have 35 million in the United States. And when I was growing up, mm -hmm. I was born in the 50s, but in the early 60s, your chances of having type 2 diabetes were 1 in 4,000. Today, it's 1 in 3. Wow. Are we going in the better direction? The answer is no. It's not just the United States, too. It's a global. So mm -hmm. a couple years ago, I, I spoke all over the world. It's a global problem. So obesity, I mean, we have more health clubs. <laughs> we have more information we, than we've ever had. And obesity has never been higher. Type 2 diabetes has never been higher. Cholesterol is a $1 trillion industry. Testosterone levels low. I mean, I can't even watch um, Frank Thomas anymore talking about nugenics. New, new, new I mean, I, I'm going to my yeah. mind. You know, because we don't, we don't understand it. So we got to get back and go, okay, what's causing all these issues? You know, we're working too much. We're stressed. We're not eating right. We're not moving our bodies. We're not getting a good night's sleep. It's basics. And we're not get. we need to get back to basics. And I think sometimes, as you know, in your profession, it's confusing to people. You know, it is. So you hear everything. You so hear everything. You hear. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted to be that, you know, and my son said we did a video and he goes, Dad, you just got to tell him you've been doing this for you know, 35 years. It's nothing. You know, it's the same stuff, but it's not sexy. You teach people how to build a habit. You do it one step at a time. And now you're yep. living your best life and it's not it's effortless. And that's really what we like to tell people It's like, don't do this. New Year's <laughs> resolutions are coming. Don't do all that. Just do one thing. Get up in the morning, drink water. Get an omega-3 fat. Stretch out during the day. Take micro breaks. I mean, that's the blocking and tackling that adds up. And then once you get it, then you add another one. And then you add another one. And the next thing you know, because growing up, I was a terrible eater growing up. So, Can you see me? So kind of going, moving up, you know, forward with that, you mentioned money and this is something like I could, I'm so into it. I could talk about this for days. So I'm not, I don't want to keep it, keep you too long, but oh, no, I'm good. do you think that that has a lot to do with it? Like, is there, is there a reason why cancer and heart disease are so popular nowadays? Like, is there a push, like, you know, as bad as it sounds, is there a push by, by our you know, by the systems that we live in place, you know, or is there a push towards well, those diseases? Think, the foods think, we eat? Yeah, one of the things we talk about that our demands have never been higher and our capacity shrinking. The other one is stress is, stress is everywhere. 
So again, when you think about stress, you know, there's no such good and bad stress. But the big thing I like to talk a lot about is medical illiteracy. There's no other profession that we know this least about. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to buy a car or get a pair of shoes or whatever, everybody has an idea what it costs. In the medical world, if you ask most people, when you go get a blood test, and your blood test is out of balance, what are you going to do? You're going to take a medication. If your blood pressure is mm-hmm. too high, do you know the number one way to lower blood pressure is changing how you breathe? It's not taking an angiotensin drug or a, a diuretic. It's changing your nervous system, and that's how you breathe. But people are like, can you imagine that being taught on TV? learning how to do diaphragmatic breathing and breath awareness, it's the best way to lower blood pressure. There's no money in it. If you have people have a lot of inflammation, I mean, where opioids have never been higher, it's like, okay, why do people take all these opioids? Because they don't feel good. Well, if you got people to probably feel better, opioids have their, 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 their benefits, but when you're prescribing them like left and right, because people don't feel good, they're not sleeping well or too much inflammation. So, so the challenging thing is, is, educating our population to have more control over their life. And I think that's the missing piece in our mm-hmm. world is they, they don't know this. Cholesterol, I've never had anybody not get off their cholesterol medication in 30 plus years, if they're willing to change their lifestyle. So when you're going to your doctor sometimes, the answers, you know, and, and, and I worked for a doctor for a couple of years, they only have eight minutes to work with you. Mm-hmm. If you're going in there and you're not sleeping, well, you got to step back. I'm like, they're not going to help you in eight minutes. They're going to give you something to help you sleep versus reality is why don't we know how to sleep better? Why don't we know how to eat better? Why don't we know how to, you know, so you have, I think two, two spectrums. You got people doing all this over here and you got other people doing nothing and then somewhere in between. So yeah, it's a big, it's a big problem, but we're not getting better. So when you think of cancer, heart disease, or digestive health issues, it's, it all begins with your immune system. And we're not doing a good job understanding that. That's why I tell people, if you can just do, uh, change how you breathe, do some water with lemon and eat an apple, that's a huge thing for improving your digestion. Because if you're stressed, you're not going to have good digestion, period. Mm -hmm. So it sounds so simple. Yeah, it does. And that's how you build it. Mm-hmm. And then you build it and you build it and you build it. And so when I've worked with people and they've started over here, I had one woman, I had 25 medications and within two and a half years, I got her down to two, but we didn't do that overnight. I didn't even tell her we're going to do this. All I said is we're going to do this, mm-hmm. follow this process. We're not even going to pay attention to medications. And then as she started doing this, one medication disappeared and another one disappeared. And that's how the human body because we all know if you cut your hand, what happens to your hand in a couple of days? It'll heal. It'll heal. But we're not taught this stuff. So to me, two things we're not taught in school is finance and, and health. And we need to do a better job of that. So for me, 100% agree. the time I have on my, the planet, you know, I don't know. I think I got about 40 plus years left. <laughs> we're going to keep trying to help. And there's a lot of people out there trying to talk about prevention. We need to spend more time talking about it. It, so I'm assuming you don't take any medication at all? I do not. Or, I have never. Like ever or probably since you were younger, right? Well, I think the only time I took a medication, I took Vicodin and morphine when I was, I ruptured my patella tendon playing basketball in 2000. So I realized right away. Kind of had no choice there, right? Man, that, that morphine stuff is amazing. But, but right away, it was interesting because I took Vicodin and they put me on morphine after I injured my knee and then I went and had surgery and they came back and said, Hey, are you still on your, this is in rehab like eight weeks later. And I'm like, no, I haven't been on my Vicodin after three days because I was so constipated. Well, we can't do rehab on you because you're gonna have too much pain. And I'm like, well, pain's not a bad thing. Pain's going to tell me whether it's overdoing it or not doing it. That's the protocol when I went to therapy that everybody needs to be on their pain meds while they're going through therapy. Well, my background is that doesn't make any sense at all. I want to know exactly if my therapy is too aggressive or not aggressive. You know what I mean? So pain, we always think pain's a bad thing. Pain tells you that your body's out of balance and it tells you that, you know, your hands over the stove, there's a problem. So I think that's the issue you have with, you know, in our industry, there's so much lack of knowledge and there's so much information information is not knowledge it's taking the information and the knowledge and actually turn it into a practice and that's a big difference 
because the people, a lot of people know stuff, but they don't know what to do or they're not actually doing it. So that's a big thing we always talk about. It's not what you know, it's what you're actually doing. That's really knowing is when you're doing. So this is more like conspiracy-ish and I don't know how you feel about it, but do you think there is a cure for cancer and is any of this to do with population control? Well, I don't, yeah, so I, <laughs> that's a, that's a, I think the big thing for cancer, along with heart disease, is we mm-hmm. have to build a better immune system. Because how, how do we do that? It all begins in the gut. Okay. So when the person has better digestive health, I mean, think about all your, all the cancer therapy coming out there now is all based on immune system, increasing immune system. Back in the day when you used to get sick, I would get sick. My mom would make sure I get enough sleep make sure I'm getting enough fluids. I mean, it just, but we're not doing that. So can imagine um, when people are at a level where they're very fragile, that can lead to lots of problems. We've never had more digestive health issues in the United States than we have today. So we just start digestive health, whether it's acid reflux or IBS or, you know, gluten intolerances or whatever it is, but it all begins in the gut. So if you're trying to help with cancer, you got to help people understand you got to boost your immune system. And if you're not boosting that immune system naturally, you know, and you don't have things in place, you're going to set yourself up for more um, chances of having some of these problems. Do you have some quick tips for us about what we can do to boost that? Well, I think the big thing for immune system is understanding a little bit of having self-awareness that do you have enough recovery during your day? Because when you have enough recovery, you know this, when you're completely rested, you can handle a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you can crank through your podcast, you can do lots of work. But when I get a crummy night's sleep, my immune system just by one hour less drops 10%. 10% one hour. Wow. So one thing I focus on every day is I really pay attention to getting, ideally, it doesn't always happen, but I try to get at least eight hours of sleep. Number two, I try to take micro breaks during my day. after we're done with this, I'm going to take some, take a little break. So it could be a minute, could be 30 seconds. I'm paying attention to my breath. And then I really pay attention to my gut health with what I eat. That's why apples are so amazing for gut health. Mm-hmm. I had a guy that had, <laughs> had gout and he goes, you're charging me a lot of money to tell me to eat an apple. I'm like, yeah, how's your gout? Because <laughs> I don't have it anymore. So when you get people to understand mm-hmm. chlorophyll is huge for the gut. That's why we're a big promoter of wheatgrass and spirulina acrylic because it helps with the immune system, but also helps keep the gut healthy. So there's certain things you can do relatively simple to keep your immune system strong. And that's resting, eating, and moving. That's why we came up with that methodology. So you, I, you try to strive for eight hours every day, huh? I try to strive for eight hours a day. What, what about the whole like other sleeping methods? You know, the, you know, sleeping 15 minutes every two hours and, you know, I'm sure the, uh, well, if you're not getting, so as the sleep cycle goes on, you get into yeah. more REM sleep. Mm-hmm. And so if you're trying to hack your sleep, you're never going to get into deep REM sleep. And we know right now, d- dementia and Alzheimer's is really a, a big part of amyloid plaque buildup. And amyloid plaque builds up in the brain. And if you're not getting enough REM sleep, REM is the time that the amyloid plaque is being cleansed. Mm-hmm. And so when people aren't sleeping or not getting enough REM sleep, that's a real problem for brain health. So again, let's not try to keep hacking our health. Let's just build some practices around that. And so when I hear people saying, oh, I'm going to do this, I only need three hours of sleep. Well, if you want to die early, yeah, three hours of sleep, but I don't want to die early. So well, like, what about like, do you ever, do you ever look into like Nikola Tesla and like how he slept? You know, he had his whole crazy habit of, you know, 20 minutes every couple hours and so did Da Vinci. And they still both kind of lived long lives? Well, yeah. So again, they're kind of a freak show, but they, you know, that, that might work. But to me, there's nothing better being refreshed and having the eight hours. And, we, and back in the, before the light bulb was invented, we were sleeping 10 hours a night. So we're just in the last 50 years, really, really starting to, and we've never had more of a sleep problem we have today, especially in the United States. The fastest growing group of medications is sleep medications. Well, because we're, we're freaked out constantly that we're not doing enough. Enough's not done. Life is passing us by. Like that's, that's kind of the message we get, right? Well, I, I, really like, I really like Cal Newport's work on deep work. 
because he talks about deep work and shallow work. And one of the things he does, it's like he time blocks. Again, Brian Moran's on your podcast. It's all about time blocking. I'm a big time blocker guy. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a block of time. And when I'm done with that time, you know, I'm done. And then I have my list, but then I block time for those. And then when it's 5, 30, 6 o'clock, whenever you decide you want to be done, you're done. Versus to me, as an entrepreneur, it's easy to kind of just keep working, 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 and thinking, thinking, thinking. And the next thing you know, get the cerebration in my brain, I go to bed. We've all done this. I can't shut it down. So now I'm not sleeping anymore. When reality is, like, I'm done. And if you have something that I have a notepad on my bed stand that I just make a note if I have something that's bothering me, and then I write it down, and then I try to let it go. But I think we need to have more strategies to help people shut it down. Technology is amazing, but I think technology is killing our society right now because we don't know how to use it. You know, the average person right now is on two hours of Facebook a day. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. Yeah, I mean, we, sh- we should be getting paid for that, right? It's like it's 14 we, hours a week right there. <laughs> we talk a lot about, um, you know, people are like, when my space, when I'm talking to people, they're, they're running out of space. Mm-hmm. That's why we wrote capacity. They love what they're doing. They just don't feel like they have any time in their life anymore. And they don't have time to sleep and they don't have time to do I mean, so the next thing you know, everything's just, I'm, I'm constantly in frenzy that I can't, I can't shut this down. And the reality is like, if you block your day out a little bit more and be kind of a, a little more flow, I think more and more people can create and they feel good and they're going to be in their zone where they want to be. They want to be thinking and creating and doing all the stuff they're doing. So part of what we wrote capacity about is we felt like, if people didn't, weren't taking care of their resting and their eating and their moving, they're not going to perform at a high level. But we, we don't think that way. Let's, let's just work more, sleep less, mm-hmm. produce more when reality is. And then at the end of the day, you, 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 you said this you know, earlier, I have terrible relationships. I don't have good energy. My blood work's not good. My health is not good. But man, I'm producing more. Well, mm-hmm. So what? You know? What does that matter if you pass out and that's matter? it? doesn't matter. And again, you asked a great question. Do you really like what's going on in your world? And sometimes, you know, we're all working hard, but I think it's a huge link in some of the people I work with that they make so much money, but they're so unhappy because they don't have any space in their life. And I think when you give people space, then allows them to, to enjoy what they're doing. Everybody's working hard. Mm-hmm. I'm working hard, but also want to have space and, and it's and it's nice because when people have space what happens they they feel their best they perform it's amazing can you imagine you know they if you come up with new ideas you come up with new ideas imagine taking one or two days that's why i like brian moran's 12-week year because it mm-hmm. takes time to kind of recover and that's what i think more and more people are missing how do you how do you take space like from your family for example sometimes you need to just totally clear out right yeah, is that I mean, hard? sometimes you just got stuff going on or I'm traveling. So part of me is a lot of times when I'm on the road, I have space, but I'm not with my family. So that's sometimes so, it, gets, it gets hard. But mm-hmm. the other thing too, I'm doing a lot better job than I used to is I look at my calendar that I have to have these recovery. My testosterone level dropped almost 200 points about seven years ago. It was because I was on the road too much. I wasn't getting enough rest. I was watching Kevin Hart's uh, documentary last night. I'm like, you know, Elvis Presley, go back in time. The reason Elvis Presley died is because they had him doing 150 gigs in three months. I mean, it just kills people. So I see this in corporate America. They got all these meetings. They're working too many hours. I talked to a guy the other day. He's a, he's a, a, a big leader in one of these um, healthcare companies, and he works 70 hours a week. He's 56 years old. I said, is this going to slow down? He goes, no. I'm saying, then I don't think we have a lot to talk about. Because if you're going to work 70 hours a week, mm-hmm. and you're not going to willing to change anything, you're probably not going to have space to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. So I think that's the thing I, I talk to more and more people is like, what do you want your life to look like? I mean, that's what your podcast is all about. You know, design, exactly. design it the way you want it. And again, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Some days I'm working 14 hours. I mean, I'm just crushing it. But then other days, I got to make sure I got enough recovery plan mm-hmm. in there that even though I might work 14 hours, I'm still taking some breaks throughout the day to help me feel and be performing at a high level. Just 14 hours doesn't cut it. 
you know, just time does not cut it. It's energy what, what cuts it. So to yeah, me, cause, energy during the day. Exactly. Because how, how quality are those hours, right? <laughs> Someone says they put in 18, 20, but how much of that were you awake? <laughs> You're not. Producing? So, and then again, how do you feel at the end of that time? I mean, now it takes you two or three days to recover to get back to your normal self. So to me, it's really, I, like I said, you know, Cal Newport's talking a lot about deep work and there's, it's, he always says, this is nothing new. We just need to practice it more. It's the same thing what we teach. It's, it's nothing new that you need to drink more water, maybe add a lemon or eat an apple or move your body daily or get a good night's sleep. It's just that people aren't practicing it. And then they're trying to take shortcuts to help them. And I'm like, that shortcut's not going to, you can't hack your health. There's a lot of people out there in my space that are trying to, and, they, and the people like to gleam onto that, but I'm like, nah, that's not going to work. You're, you're, look, you're, looking as a, you're looking at this as a long-term investment, not the short little-term ones. To me, I find more and more people, when they feel good, they want to continue to feel good. And let's, let's forget about dieting. Let's forget about this crazy exercise program. Let's forget about hacking your sleep. Mm-hmm. Let's get you to feel good and develop a plan that you can sustain that fits into your world. And that's what we believe that it needs to fit into your world because intrinsic motivation is the magic. Because when people are doing it because they want to is, is a lot different than because they have to. It's a beautiful thing. Well, Chris, I could, I could keep talking about this for days. You know, I, I'm not even in your, in your industry, but all this stuff is just so been a pleasure pop, popular. To yeah, it definitely has. And um, right now, uh, last but not least, we are on to our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. All right. So I hope you prepared. I guess you can't really prepare because I'm going to throw some curveballs at you and make sure, make sure you're really awake this morning, but uh, you're going to get five seconds to initiate an answer. Okay. Um, otherwise my producer, Steve Wiley, <laughs> he, he, lur- he lurks and he comes out of the dark and I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but here we go. What is your favorite book? Uh, Jim Collins. Good. Great. I thought for sure you were going to say 12 week here. <laughs> I like that one too. I like man search for meaning, but I think Jim Collins is one that I really like his audio book. So if your listeners haven't listened to his mm-hmm. audio book, it's, it's nice to listen to him talk. And that's what is that? What is it about? It's about really uh, taking uh, a company from good to great. And then there's all sorts of different pieces. But one of the things I like about inside the book, it's about your three circles and I always talk to people about that. Number one is, do you have passion for what you do? Number two, um, does it drive the economic engine? Can you make money doing what you're doing? And last but not least, can you be the best in the world? And so I always look at that. Am I passionate about what I'm doing? Like I use golf as an example. I love golf. I'm passionate about it. Can I make money doing it? Absolutely not. Can I be the best in the world? No. So that's a hobby. <laughs> Okay. So that's, that's what that's I was a good way to shut you down. That's what I, that's what I was gleaned from this book. Your favorite movie. Oh gosh. I, I think it would be, um, it's a wonderful life. Classic. Say you're stranded on an Island. What is the one item you want with you, but it can't be a person. It can't be a person. Yes. Um, a spear. Ooh, that's, that's a good one. I think, I've heard weapon before, like a knife, but a spear is, is pretty original. That's good. That's good. Say you had $100 million right now, and you had to start up a business, and it can't be your own, though. What would it be? Um, I think it would be something in healthcare uh, as an alternative for traditional insurance. Huh. I've, I've heard insurance... Um, it's not the first time I've heard insurance. So it'd be, it'd be an alternative to our traditional, mm-hmm. there's gotta be a better way than what we're doing right now. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a big problem. So that's a, it's a, a good one. It's a good one. How do you drink your coffee? I do not drink coffee at all. Huh? I'm not a coffee guy. I don't even like the taste of it. Do you, uh, tea? I do drink tea. Which, so what I kind of tea? I like, uh, uh, basically cinnamon. So anything like that, I like ginger, cinnamon, anything like that. I noticed no caffeine. Is there a reason? 
Um, just because generally I drink more of the tea later. So I usually do it later. Do you stay away from caffeine like fully for a reason? Not, 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 not necessarily just before bed, that kind of thing, but no, I'm not, but I don't really, again, I I don't really feel like I need caffeine to kind of Mm -hmm. keep my energy level. You know, I remember back in the day, people were asking me, Hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? And I worked in the factory. I'm like, no, I don't like the cup. I don't like coffee. Why do you wake up? I'm like, I sleep. (laughs) (laughs) The magic answer. I sleep. I love it. But like food to keep my energy level up. Are you against caffeine? Cause say like, like someone that drinks, I, I'm a big green tea drinker. You know, I'll have three, four, no, five. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I, I just remember if, if it becomes over consumed, it's a drug like anything else. So are you using it for certain purposes or is it just part of what you do like drinking green tea? So for the benefits, I think there's some benefits to it, but again, there can be other things cause it does raise your blood pressure. It does is, it is a stimulant. So, um, I think that again, back to the center, just in moderation. So if you're drinking throughout the day to keep your energy level high, then we got a problem. If you're doing it just in the morning as a quick pick me up and that you like it, that's part of your routine, not a problem at all. But I think it's like anything else that can be overconsumed. So the key is moderation with everything. Yeah. Because again, if I'm drinking too much caffeine, then it's going to affect my neurotransmitters that help my body relax. And then AFib has never been higher in our country. So atrial fibrillation is, a, and a lot of that has to do with overstimulation, especially from some of the things we're eating or not eating. Like so what else, what else could it could be attributing to that? Well, AFib is generally a, a lack of magnesium. And so when a body, you're doing too much caffeine, it makes the body a little bit more acidic. And when your body becomes more acidic, you're going to be leaching minerals out of the body, including magnesium. And the next thing you know, they don't realize how that contributes to a mineral depletion. So again, we're not talking enough about that. So again, that's why I'm not a big fan of, you know, whatever it is, alcohol or coffee or all these things that in too much excess, it's going to cause other issues. So do you, do you ever consume alcohol? I do. I do. Uh, well, what, what, what's like, so what's the most you would ever have like in one sitting, like two, three? Or? Two or three. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I mean, over the, over the holidays, I think I had four glasses of wine. I'm like, well, I didn't feel very good the next day. So, but I really don't have a huge desire to drink too much. So that's never been an issue for me, maybe back in the college days, but I just like how I feel when I get up. So if I drink, you know, more than two, then I probably just don't feel. And then there's a blood test called GFR. It's a kidney function that people are drinking too much. They will have um, a drop in GFR. And so you see that a lot with people that are drinking too much alcohol or energy mm-hmm. drink or things along that lines. But yeah, yeah, I'm not a anti-alcohol or anti-caffeine person at all. It's just a matter of what are you doing it for and if you're overdoing it. Uh, that's, that's a very, very good way of looking at it. And was there one item though that you uh, do consume every day that you can't go a day without, or maybe it's something you just wear on you? But it's like one thing that you won't go a day without. Well, if I'm at home, there's a couple of things I do every day, and that's wheatgrass and cod liver oil. It's the omega-3 fat, and it's the minerals. So every day, those are two things that are going into my body. And spirulina krell is another one. So those are some of our superfoods. But, you know, almost every day, I eat some form of ancient grain. So I'm a big fan of oatmeal and amaranth and teff. So I'm always doing that. I probably eat most days, I eat raisins and some nuts. So... Yeah, there's certain things I eat. I probably, what, what do I eat too much of? I eat too many raisins. I just like them. So, or when I buy our, our dried mangoes, I can't stop eating them. So anyway. I swear, it's like you've seen this question before the interview because you took it and ran with it. <laughs> you knew exactly what to say. No, no curveballs here. Uh, who has been or is your greatest mentor? Oh, I think I learned a lot from my parents. You know, they, they, they came up and, um, they didn't live very healthy lifestyles, but um, I, I learned a lot from my both my mom and dad. And then I had an amazing mentor when I was uh, at this health club named Al Arns, and he helped me kind of start writing books. And so along the way, I'm a big fan. I've had many mentors in my life, and and I try to do that as I get older. I'm always trying to help you know younger folks that if they're interested. But uh, yeah, I've had many great mentors along the ways, and I've had a lot of 
really good friends that I've, you know, mentored from. They've really helped me in certain ways. And, um, and again, as I learn a lot from my kids, you know, as they get older and it's fun to watch my kids parent now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, their mom did a great job, <laughs> but yeah, I've had some good mentors. And last but not least, if I drove out, drove out there since I'm not too far from Chicago to Michigan and I'm like, Chris, I got a proposal for you. It's going to make you millions. And I step into your office and I'm wearing socks and sandals. How would you, uh, how would you, how, how seriously would you take that meeting? I think appearance doesn't really, it's, it's not, that's, and once I got to know you and create a relationship with you, I don't really care what you're wearing. So, I mean, casual is what we do all the time at our place. So, um, but I really do would like you to come visit us some point in time and bring your, you don't want to wear your sandals and your socks <laughs> at this time of year. But, but not in Michigan. Not in Michigan. No, but, Michigan yeah. is beautiful. I'll, I'll wait till the summer. <laughs> I wait till the summer. So. All the greens. Awesome. Well, Chris Johnson, uh, everybody be sure to check out ontargetliving.com. From there, you can uh, check out his books, the app on Target Living uh, Experience, the YouTube channel, and plenty, plenty more. Um, The the mic is yours. You know, I want to thank you so much, Chris, for uh, being on today. I really appreciate the time. This is definitely going to be a very, very jam-packed episode with so many goodies. So I can't wait to share it. And uh, the mic is yours if you want to share any final, any final thoughts. No, I just salute you. I think you're doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, I think there's a lot of folks out there kind of on the fringe thinking that maybe they want to do their own gig. And uh, I think the big thing I want to share with everybody is that I didn't just jump into it. It was a slow process. So I think that's the thing you want to look at. Is, and the other thing, too, I think more and more people I kind of talked to him about is um, giving yourself a little space to step back and say, Hey, am I going in the direction I want to go in? And so I had a couple of good mentors along the way. They're like, what do you really want to be doing? And it really helped me step back and spend time each week of what I wanted to do. And then I slowly progressed into kind of going in this direction. So I think that's two things taken away is, is give yourself a little bit of space to think about what you want to do. And then, um, you don't have to jump into anything. It could be a slow progression. And, um, and I think when you want to state, say to yourself, what, what do I want my life to look like when I wake up um, when I'm 50 or 60 years old? I think that's a driver for a lot of people. And I think helping people, like you're saying with your podcast, it really helps people to think about what is possible in their life. And I think that's what we try to talk about a lot from our space is, you know, what is possible in your life? And when people feel good, they perform at their best. So but no, thanks for the opportunity. I, I, I've enjoyed talking with you. You're welcome. That's a, that's a mic drop right there. Mic drop. <laughs> boom. Can't wait to uh, talk to you uh, going down the road and seeing where uh, the future takes us. Absolutely. That is all for this episode of Boss to Boss. Your next step is to visit boss2boss.com where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is boss, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.